0: Jesus real. There's power in your name. We find hope. We trust in your ways. We need Jesus is real.
1: If you want the Holy Spirit not to work on you from the outside, but to indwell your heart and work on you from the inside, you need to receive the grace of God through Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's indwelling presence is a gift that he gives for believing in Jesus. Does that make sense? So it's a uniqueness of what happens when a person is in Christ. Now, here's what I want to tell you today. If you have not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus, you
0: should. The Holy Spirit was promised to the world long ago by Jesus himself and being God. Jesus was, of course, faithful. His word was fulfilled. We have the Holy Spirit who can dwell in us, helping us live out this life for the glory of God. But as Pastor Daniel will point out today, the Holy Spirit living in you is only for those who have accepted Jesus as their Savior. So today, you need to ask yourself, are you ready to let Jesus save you? Now, here's Pastor Daniel in John chapter 14 as he continues his message, The Promise.
1: what jesus is promising his disciples is an ever-present help in every situation to lead us into obedience and guess what there's no other way to grow in christ than here you have to realize that growing in christ involves us being different than we've been in the past I always like to remind people, we live in a day and age where everybody wants the newness, but nobody wants to be changed. Everybody wants their life to be different, but nobody wants to do anything different. Everyone wants, I want to do it my way, but I want God's blessing upon it. And that might be a desire of your heart, but the Bible says that the abundant life is on the other side of obedience. And God has given us his spirit to lead us into that obedience, to promote the love of God in our hearts, which leads to a desire to walk in the things that God has. That's why Jesus said, John 15, verse 26, But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. See, in those verses, we realize that the Helper comes. He's sent from the Father. He proceeds from the Father, and he testifies of Jesus. John fifteen twenty six. Now, from there, look at what happens next. Because in verse 17, we begin to learn more things. In John chapter 14, it says, The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And what we learn here is that the Spirit of truth dwells in you. These verses are powerful because now we hear that the Spirit, the Helper, is the Spirit of truth, and this Spirit of truth dwells in us. Now, why it's important that we hear that Jesus is the truth is because Jesus said in John fourteen six, I am the way, the what? The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Remember I told you, although God interacts with humanity, this one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, just as The Father is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Guess what? The Spirit is the truth. Right? And the Spirit of truth, it says, is unique to the follower of Jesus. Notice. Whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now, this is what makes the person who has put their faith and trust in Jesus, different from the person who has not. And I realize here at Crossroads, there are people on every different step of their faith journey. There are people, some of you here have been walking with Jesus for longer than I've been alive, right? Some, For some of you, twice as long as I've been alive. So there's a long journey. And then there's others of you here today, like, I don't even know if I believe in Jesus. Here's the deal. No matter how long you've been walking with Jesus or if you're not walking with Jesus, you have to realize that the distinction between the believer and the non-believer is the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you. Now, what's interesting is it says, whom the world cannot, what's the word? Receive. So here's what you have to realize. For every single living human being, the Spirit of God is at work on the outside, working to draw us to the things of God. But for the believer, we receive him, and then he dwells within our hearts. Now, some of you might be saying, well, I don't like that. That is not, I mean, why only for the believer? The reason is, is that if you don't want to drive, insert your favorite car in there, if you don't buy that car, you're not going to drive that car. It's really that simple, right? It's like, like if you're like, I just love a Volkswagen bus. And all I've ever wanted to drive is a Volkswagen bus. But if you go out and you go buy yourself an Audi, are you driving a Volkswagen bus? No. Why? Because you didn't buy a bus. You bought an Audi. And guess what? If you want the Holy Spirit not to work on you from the outside, but to indwell your heart and work on you from the inside you need to receive the grace of God through Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit's indwelling presence is a gift that he gives for believing in Jesus does that make sense? so it's a uniqueness of what happens when a person is in Christ now here's what I want to tell you today if you have not yet put your faith and trust in Jesus you should and if you put your faith and trust in Jesus guess what's going to happen? the Spirit of God is going to dwell in you Not working at you on the outside. See, really the Spirit of God works at you from the outside so that he can get on the inside. That he can indwell us. But once a person says yes to Jesus, he indwells us. He is on the inside, working in and through us to do all these different things. And of course, Paul said it this way, Romans chapter 8, verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. You hear what he's saying? He's saying, you're not in the flesh, you're in the spirit. But only if the spirit of God dwells in you, if you do not have the spirit, you're not Christ. So in the same way, we talked about the engagement ring. The only person who was engaged to be my bride was the woman who was wearing the ring. In the same way, the only way you are part of the family of God is if the Holy Spirit dwells within you. He wants to take up his rightful place. And what's amazing is Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to come to you. And he's saying, listen, even though I'm going to get to this in a second, I'm going away. He's like, the presence of my spirit will be me being with you. Pretty powerful, isn't it? Now, Here's the question then for us, each one of us. And it's kind of a simple question, but it is powerful for each one of us. If the spirit of God dwells in us, if we're a believer, then are we aware of his presence everywhere that we are? You realize like you don't have to invite the Holy Spirit to come because if you're a believer, he already there. Right? And so, really, what happens is, is, in our lives as believers, what starts to go on is you begin to realize that because I believe in Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells within me. And now, my growth curve is not me doing what I want to do, but me saying, Lord, what would you have me do? See, a truly spirit filled life is not someone who has. A verse for every situation, although we love Bible verses. And it's not someone who, well, what would you do? And they say, well, I'll do this, this, and this. A truly spirit-filled life is a person who stops and says, Lord, what are you doing right now? And what would you have me say? A person who realizes that our advice is not what anybody needs, but Jesus is what people need. That our job is is to realize that what God is doing in anyone's life has unique nuances. And unless we are aware of the Spirit's presence, we might just run off kind of half-cocked. And those of us who are more type A, you know this really, really well. right? We just do your thing. Now, for those of you who aren't type A, you also realize that oftentimes the Spirit of God wants to use us, but we're so busy not engaging that we miss out on it as well. And so what God wants to do is for us to be perpetually aware that the Spirit of God is in us, with us, at every moment. It was so beautiful. As we began this Life Hack series, between all the three services, we saw probably seven or eight hundred people come on forward to receive prayer, to be anointed with oil, to say, hey, I want to go deeper in the things of God. I want to know Jesus more. And at every service, I said to the folks who are up front, listen, this is not the end, this is the beginning. Because... Really, the work of the Spirit happens when we are moving through this world. And we have this tendency to expect that the things of the Spirit happen when the church is gathered. No, we get equipped for the work of ministry when we're gathered. And then we scatter into a million different places in the name of Jesus. And then as we're aware of the Spirit in our life, the helper, we're invited to not talk when we would normally say something, to talk when we would normally be quiet. We become apt to not do those things that we have always done, but to choose to do different things. Because as we become aware of the dwelling, indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, we realize that I have all the help I need to be more like Jesus in every situation I'm in. And that becomes a very powerful thing, isn't it? Now, I want you to turn to your right in your Bibles, just one page. Turn to John chapter 16. We're going to take verses 5 to 15 together as we continue to learn about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. Now what's beautiful and what I'm doing just to kind of let you behind the veil of as one of your pastors is that before we jump into the book of Acts and then the specific ways the gifts of the Spirit work, I wanted to make sure we saw how does the Spirit of God work in the life of Jesus himself as we looked at Luke four in our previous message. And then now when Jesus was talking about the gift of the spirit, how did Jesus characterize it for his disciples so that at least we have a foundation to be able to build upon as we look at the day of Pentecost, the unique gifts and how they function in the life of a local church. And so I wanted to make sure that we we have a proper foundation by which to understand how these things are meant to work in in the heart of God. So it says this, John chapter 16, verse five, it says, but now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And verse 8, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin... And of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my father and you see me no more. And of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now what we learn here is that the spirit convicts. The spirit convicts. The 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 role of the Spirit, the helper in our life, is to convict us. And it tells us he's convicting us in three ways, of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. Now, this idea of being convicted of sin, it doesn't mean he's passing uh, guilt, either guilty or not guilty. When we think of that word conviction, we think of, okay, well, the, the verdict was read, and you're either guilty or not guilty. But the word conviction, it literally means to present or expose the facts and to convince of the truth. So the Spirit's job is to be God's vehicle of truth in our hearts to expose and convince us of the truth of God's kingdom, of God's ways, of God's heart, and of God's word. And when, that, when the Spirit is working to convict us, then God is birthing the abundant life and the life of his kingdom inside each one of our hearts and each one of our lives. Now, before we kind of unpack the conviction of the Holy Spirit and how it works and how powerful this is and why we're so grateful for it. I don't want you to miss what Jesus said in the first couple of verses. It'd be easy to pass right over. Look what he says, verse five. But now I go away to him who sent me and none of you ask me where are you going but because I have said these things to you sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth it is to your advantage that I go away for if I do not go away the helper will not come to you but if I depart I will send him to you. Now, how many of you think that's crazy what Jesus just said? Jesus said, I'm leaving and you guys are bummed out that I'm leaving, but it's actually better for you that I'm leaving because the spirit will be here. Does anyone think that that's kind of a crazy statement from Jesus? I mean, do you think it'd be better to have uh, Jesus standing right with you in your situation helping you? Absolutely. But Jesus actually said, we are in a better place than the apostles were in the gospels. Why? Because when Jesus goes away, what does he do? He finishes his work. He finished fully pleasing his father and everything he did. Jesus going away implies Jesus dying on the cross for your sins and my sins and the sins of the world. Jesus going away implies Jesus' resurrection, where both sin and death are conquered. And Jesus going away implies his resurrection and his ascension to the right hand of the Father so that the Spirit of God can come forth. Jesus is saying, it's better for you that I finish the work that God has sent me to do than for me to stand here with you. And he's saying, because when I ascend, I'm going to send the Spirit of God to you. So anytime you think, man, if only Jesus was here right now, this would go so much better. You have to say, no, no, no. Jesus said, I'm in a better spot right now. That's what he's saying. He's saying, at this point in Jesus' earthly ministry, he is in one place at one time. He is bound by time and space. And he knew that once he was resurrected, the Spirit of God was going to indwell all the people of God. And was going to be able to work at any place. At any time, he could be at work because now he's not bound by the very things that he chose to be bound by in his incarnation. So don't miss that. That God is saying, we're in a better spot. Like, you're doing better Then Petey and Jimmy and all those guys. Nate, I can give you all, I give them all nicknames right now Bartholomew or Bartholomew, if you know the reference. If you don't know the Bartholomew reference, you gotta watch Mel Gibson a little more. Anyway, I'll move on. (laughs) You guys don't know that movie? Oh God, I'm praying for you guys. Two of you do, sinners. (laughs) It's a great movie. (laughs) Classics. Now, I just want to talk about Spaceballs, the movie. Just want to tell you all about it. Spoof on Star Wars, it'd be as anyway. He says all that, then he says, "But when he has come, speaking of the Spirit, the Helper, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment." Now, here's what you need to hear, and I think this is very, very important. You know you're God's child when you are convicted by the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he chastens or disciplines. Now, I realize that in the day and age in which we live, the idea of God chastening or disciplining is very hurtful because unfortunately for some of you had abusive fathers who their discipline and their chastening was done in anger, and was done to inflict harm. Because their, their abuse is coming out of a place of brokenness. And if that's your experience. I am so sorry. That was not what God wanted. That is not what God was. God wanted so much better than that. But because some of us had fathers who were abusive. We should not take the brokenness. And translate that to the heart of the father in heaven. Because the Father in heaven, he loves us enough to discipline. He doesn't discipline us in anger, but in love. He doesn't chasten us because he's broken. He chastens us because he knows that there's a better life for us. Like my little daughter, Annabelle, I love her so much. She's six years old. And, but when she was younger, I mean, Annabelle's high energy girl. She's fully, she's spunkified, I'd like to say. Annabelle's got spirit. She's like ready to go. She wakes up in the morning. She's like, yeah, let's go get life. And some of you are like that. Some people like that freak you out. That's okay. That's my daughter. She's like me, you know? And I remember when she was a little girl, when we'd be standing by the side of the street, we had to hold her hand because Annabelle's just gonna dart out in the street because she's gonna go go get at life. Now, when she would do that, I'd be like, no, Annabelle, I I don't wanna hold your hand. I wanna go, no, no, no. And 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 I sit down and I'm not mad at her. I just love her enough that I don't want her to be Frogger that day. You know what I mean? Like, like I want to protect her. I want, to, I want her to be able to live a long life. And so my, Annabelle, listen, when you are standing by the side of the road, you stand there. You stand still because lots of things can go wrong here. And you're a little person. That's a big car. And you do not want to meet that car the way that you can happen. And, and it's not that I'm mad at her. I just love her so much I don't want her to hurt herself. And in the same way, your Heavenly Father has given you His Spirit when you are in Christ to convict you because He loves you and He knows that left up to your own devices you might hurt yourself because you don't realize all the implications of the decisions that you're going to make. So he gives you his spirit to convict you so that you don't hurt yourself. So it's not abusive. It's him saying, you don't realize what's at stake here. And I love you and I want you to live the abundant life and I want to use you and I don't want you to be broken by this world. But you know what I've learned in my life following Jesus for 20 years, being a pastor, having been a pastor now for 17 of those years, is that What I've learned is that when a person is convicted by the Holy Spirit, three different things can go on. And I want to bring this out because if you've been convicted by the Holy Spirit recently, that's a good thing. And if you haven't, that's a bad thing. Because when you're convicted by the Spirit, it's proof that you're God's child. Now, one thing that can happen when you're convicted by the Spirit is that Satan comes and he tries to transform that conviction into condemnation to drive you away from Jesus. Right? It's like you're convicted by the Holy Spirit because you're God's kin. Satan comes and say, You're a terrible Christian. Nobody who's a follower of Jesus does like that. And God's mad at you. So you go and you flee. It's like the story, if you might remember, if you haven't remembered, you need to read it. Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3, where Adam and Eve, God created them, placed them in the garden. God said, you can do whatever you want to do, but don't eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because when you eat it, you're going to die. And Adam and Eve, they were tempted. They ate. They shared it with one another. And sure enough, they heard God in the garden. And what did they do? They hid from him. Because they were ashamed at their nakedness. And of course, God knew where they were. And God clothed them. But really, what happens for some of us is that right as we realize that we have not made a decision, we've committed some decision, some sin, Satan comes and says, you can't be in the presence of the Father because you're in a workspace system as if God thinks that you're gonna have a perfect day. I'm here to tell you, the reason Satan can get some traction with some of us that when we're convicted, it drives us away from Jesus is because we're so used to living in a workspace system that says, God, you'll only be loved if you do what people want you to do. I'll be honest, as a pastor, I see this every single day. If I do something that someone doesn't like, they love me so much until that moment. And it's like, I I was never there for them, right? But I realize that's the way the world works. But that's not the way my Father in Heaven works. My Father in Heaven says, on your worst day, I still love you just the same. Even though Satan wants to condemn you, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Sure, you got it wrong, but it's not about separation. Conviction is about drawing you closer. So don't, if you're one of those people, don't allow Satan to take conviction and turn it into condemnation to sever a relationship. The conviction, when we properly respond to it, should cause us to flee into the arms of Jesus. And that's when a conviction is met with a humble heart that says, oh God, I failed. And God says, I know, but I love you still. And that's why I sent Jesus in the first place. I'm not shocked by your failure. I always knew you were going to fail, but I loved you still. And I still love you. And I'm not against you, I'm for you. And even though that was your worst moment, sometimes we live in a day in age, people shoot the wounded. People mess up, people abandon them. Listen, Jesus is like, man, I'll protect the wounded. I'm for the wounded. Because no one's perfect except for me. And I'm a redeemer. So you want to respond to that conviction with the humility that drives you into the arms of Jesus. And that, that's called repentance. When you turn away from going away from God and you turn back to the Lord. And then of course, the third way, is when conviction hits a proud heart and we just pretend like we didn't do anything wrong, right? So it's not Satan turning into condemnation to drive us away, but it's conviction hitting a proud heart, a hard heart, a stiff-necked heart, and that heart says, Psh, whatever. And the problem with that is you're not being actually driven away from Jesus, you're actually staying with Jesus, but you're getting a hard heart in the midst of it. And I'll be honest with you, if you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, you should be more humble now than you were on the day that you began because you have way more data of your need for salvation.
0: Jesus is real. Even followers of Jesus can develop a hard heart. Pastor Daniel talked about that today. Just because you've given your life to Christ doesn't mean you won't be immune from the temptation to sin. And when you do sin, because we're all human, you again are faced with the choice to repent or to ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit. It's always a choice, but remember, choices always have consequences. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy,
1: and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the
0: circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Next time on Jesus is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will dive into the joy and blessing of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Pastor Daniel will talk you through the incredible moment that the Holy Spirit first came to the new church, the disciples of Jesus. These devoted followers had just seen their Savior ascend into heaven. And now they were waiting to receive what he had promised them. Wow, did Jesus deliver on his word. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Life Hack. Until then, may God bless.